Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike and I got my live mate Matt with me. And today we're going to go over the last three games from the Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm going to start off with the the first game, the Wild lost 5-1. to one. And that one was a pretty rough game. Uh, it was... I, I, there really wasn't much from that game that you could take from a positive. Normally, you know, the Hawks have been giving two good periods. In, in that one, it was just uh, it was just a flat-out bad night. Kirby Doc seemed to play with some pep in his step, though, was noticeable. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury gave up four goals and was pulled. You know, I think he was just a little bit overworked. You know, they're practically putting the whole team on his back, you know, some nights. And he's having to carry them and... Um, you know, I think that he just needs a, a little bit of some time off. Lincoln came in and he played well. So I think that's a really good, uh, really good plus. You know, he could have came in and gave up another, you know, four goals and it could have gotten out of hand. But I thought that he, he played really well and uh, and he did what was asked of him. And to be honest with you, other than that, there really wasn't much to talk about from that game. Matt, what did you what kind of stood out from you from that that first uh, that first game versus the Wild, where they lost five to one, nothing good. I think the uh, Kane move and the Kane pass to Strom uh, was probably the you know the only good play of that game. And the goalie on the other team, I think I believe it, I forget his name, but he you know he's kind of stumbled and made the made Dylan Strom's goal a little bit easier. But the, other than that, that was it. It's one of those games you just want to forget. And uh, I I did like the fighting. To be honest, I like the Hawks kind of answering, like, hey, we're getting killed. Let's uh, get these guys uh, prepared for tomorrow and uh, show them that we're not going to get pushed over. Yeah, I agree. You know, and to be honest with you, throughout the season, the Hawks have not lacked that. In the past, I would probably say three seasons, the Hawks have, you know, somebody would get pushed or, you know, kind of bullied a little bit and nothing would happen. You know, Kane would take a cross check and there wouldn't be an answer. And there's none of that this year, man. Uh, you know, Lafferty, I believe it was two games ago, took a, a questionable hit and um, and Carpenter came right to his defense and and uh, and w- brought somebody to the into the ring with him, man, and, and stuck up for his teammate. And the Hawks have been doing that this year. And uh I, I think that it's it, it sets a it sets the tone in the locker room that hey, you know, we're we're here for each other. We're playing for each other. And that uh even if we you know win or lose, we need to we need to be there for each other. And I, I think that that's been a big plus this season. So moving on to the next game, the Blackhawks lose again to the Wild 4-3, to except in this game, it was much more uh, respectable. You know, the Hawks actually played a, a really good game other than, you know, lo- you know, losing in the very end, which was a heartbreaker. But Lankinen got the start, and he stood on his head, to be honest with you. It was a good sign because he hasn't played much this season. It's good to see that he's coming along. His time with Fleury looks to be a positive, and you were mentioning this I believe in the last podcast about, um, you know, maybe the time that Lankanen has been spending with Fleury. Uh, do you think that maybe, you know, they're spending time, you know, you know, in the hotel room or, or, or maybe he's just kind of following them around like a little puppy or, or what do you think is going on there? I think he, from his practice habits, I think he's learning a lot and even, you know, sitting on the bench watching this guy. Uh, I'm, I think he's learning a lot from him to be honest. If he didn't get hurt, I'm starting him for tonight's game against the Avalanche. That's how good he was. I would have sat Flurry again and said, "Hey, Lankinen, you're the reason why we got a point. You're going to keep rolling." So it's unfortunate he got hurt, but uh, uh, definitely going to. He's definitely learning a lot from Flurry. Yes. 
Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, you know, it's like, hey, you know, MAF, you know, you've you've been you've been great for us. You know, just take just take a a, a little bit of time to get your, you know, get your head right. And and besides, we need to give Lincoln an opportunity anyways. You know, if, if anything, Lincoln can probably take away from Flurry is watching him, you know, kind of like his mindset and how he prepares himself and. You know, maybe like you mentioned his practice habits and and how seriously he takes things. Maybe Lincoln's like I'm not saying Lincoln doesn't take things seriously, but I know that Mark Andre Fleury is pretty competitive in in practice, and maybe Lincoln's like you know what, maybe I need to I need to take it you know that far too. So it's um, definitely different. Fleury's different. Uh, he's he's focused, but he's loose. Yeah. Um, there's some goalies that are so weird, like in the warmups, they'll take their shots, they'll skate over to the side, put their head down and not say a word or, you know, be goofy with teammates. Flurry, he stays all the way out there and he's having shootouts with these guys. And usually the starting goalie doesn't do that. He leaves early to go prep for the game. And uh, hey, man, it's it's worked for him. He's got over 500 wins in the league and it's just some guys are different. I, I I remember watching Eddie Belfour. I know he was kind of a head case. He um he used to have Chris Chelios fire pucks at him. Just Chris Chelios during the first like couple minutes of warmups while the other guys were kind of just passing around skating. And it's like, <laughs> wow, that's a lot to, that's a lot of time for, you know, guys not shooting the puck and doing stuff and Eddie Eddie's taking all that time up. But there's just uh you know, different personalities, I guess. Yeah, maybe the guys didn't really give a shit either, you know, because I mean it is it is Ed Belfour, you know. And it's funny he'd only have Chellis Chellis had a pretty good shot though. Yeah, know? I I remember I I was a freak about it. I would watch him and then I'd kind of want I want to do it while I was playing with a player. And he would um he'd have Chellis just fire from the top of the circles. I remember he would do like 10 gloves, 10 blockers and then the next session he would just do the right pad, right pad, left pad and it was just so uh <laughs> It was just predictable. He, he he was just a creature of habit. But Flurry is different. You know, he's just a nut. He's out there just having a good time, loving, you know, being a pro. And and he still comes out ready to play every game. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that, that about him. But um, Jonathan Taves over the past few games seemed to have it taken a step forward and regaining his old form. You know, watching him from the beginning, you know, it looked like he was able to keep up with everybody, but he wasn't really quite there. You know, you could tell that he wasn't like quite quite back, you know, quite right. And recently he seems to be, uh, you know, regaining his old form and it's something that we need. Hopefully his scoring touch comes back. Have you noticed, you know, like anything different about Taves, say from now than maybe two months ago? Yeah, I think that Ducks game, he he really stood out. He was taking some chances with uh, with the puck. He would, you know, not be afraid to try to deke around the guy. And, you know, before he would just kind of make the simple play, like, hey, I got nothing. I got to fire it in and get off or turn around and get it back to my defense. But he, I noticed, like, he kind of went through two players and made really good moves. And I'm like, dang, man, it's like uh, rookie tapes, not, not afraid to, to dangle a little bit. Yeah, uh, but I think that Ducks game, he's kind of elevated the game a little bit. It's really good to see. You know, he's had yeah. some opportunities, and you know, it looks, it seems like he's had this, um, these two opportunities where it happened in another game as well, where he's kind of skating off, you know, to the left side, and then he puts himself, 
with like this really weird angle to try to shoot it in and he hasn't been able to get the puck up and maybe he needs to like practice that move of just like just shooting going in that direction and and maybe lifting the puck up a little bit have you noticed that uh, are you talking about on the power play? It would, like it's if, it's been a couple times over the past. I want to say yeah. three games. He's put himself in this one position and yeah, he, where it, he tries to bring it back to the front of the net. Yeah, and he, and, yes. he, and he's not able to lift up the puck. Yeah, you know what, man? I don't know if you remember this. Like three, four years ago, Taves was making his money just kind of in that slot right in front of the yeah. net, and he would you know say a good tip, a rebound, just to bury one and. Like you said, that play where he kind of used to position, like he, he'd like backhand it to himself and then put it on his forehand and beat the goalie that way on a power play and stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I have noticed that too. But I think he should get like back to the old like Thomas Holmstrom style. Like just park yourself in front of the net. You got really good hands. I mean, he, he's a great faceoff man. So that, that, Obviously, you could tell he's really good with hand-eye coordination, and he if he could kind of, you know, get back to that old-school way, just screen the goalie, go for some tips, and uh, maybe bury a rebound that, say, the cat blasted and it's just kind of sitting in front of the, the uh, goalie, I think that would uh, make him better. I don't think he's like a, like what, like a power play quarterback type of guy, no, like Kaner. I, I think he's the type of guy that has to, you know, do the hard work. If say the puck is like a, a 50, 50 puck on the boards, he's got to win it and get it back up to Kane and the, the defense. Right. But I think if he, if he can uh, get on, get on a little scoring touch doing that on the power play, maybe the, the goals will come five on five too. Yeah. I, I think that he could play more time in front of the net, uh, but you know what? I think that he should take more shots. I think that he needs to try to take more clean shots because he does have a really good shot. And uh, I think he needs to take more of those. Every Blackhawk does. No no one shoots enough. We're always yeah. three passes too much. And you know who the worst is lately? Kershev. Kershev mm. will have a two-on-one where the, the opposing defenseman is taking away the pass beautifully. Like, there's no chance, there's no way you're going to pass this. There, it's not going to go through. And he'll still pass it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why these new young guys are so afraid to shoot the puck. I just don't get it. Kubalik is the only Hawk. That pretty much shoots the puck, and usually it's five feet the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or five feet high. Or... I am not denying it's a very powerful shot, and yeah. he gets a hold of those things. He tees them off. But yeah, he does. Very rarely he's hitting the net, or it's going over the net, or sometimes he just plain whiffs. Yeah. And, but when he connects, man... I, I don't forget, didn't he score four goals against the Oilers a couple of years ago? Yeah, he did. Dude, he was on. Yeah. So I, I'd love to see him get back, but I have a feeling he might, he might be on the uh, trade bait list. To be honest with you. Yeah, I think so too. And you know what, man? I, I think that we need to take stock with what we have, and it kind of leads into my next point. You know, I want to talk about Ryan Hartman. You know, he's playing very well for Minnesota, but most notably, he used to play for the Blackhawks and he played right wing. At what point do we look at some of our players or prospects and see if they play better in other positions? And like as an example, you know, Ryan Hartman used to be a winger. Now he's a center, and he's he's actually very effective at center. He wins faceoffs, and he plays the the position. Really well, you know. Big Buff played right wing for the Blackhawks, and then he went to Winnipeg, and he became an outstanding defenseman. Uh, Brett Burns is another one. He used to play wing. Now he's 
you know, he's a defenseman. Uh, you know, Sergei Fedorov was a center. Then he moved off and played defense. You know, these are just a, the best, yeah. th- these are just, you know, a couple of examples, you know, and, and to, to be honest with you, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned Sergei Fedorov because he was such an outstanding hockey player that he was able to play all the positions. The only thing he didn't play pretty much was, was goalie. goalie. Yeah. So, uh, but but I, I either I, either way, do you think that we should start looking at guys and saying, hey, you know what, maybe we should move you to wing, or you know what, maybe we should try to move you to center? You know, did you see like any? Do you think that there's any value in that? And if there is, is there a player out there that you think might be able to, you know, to uh, to do that? Well, when you said Buff, Buff actually was drafted as a defenseman. So, but his big body, they wanted to use him as a forward to uh, just wreak havoc, you know, and he did <laughs> against Lalongo. That's like Lalongo's uh, public enemy number one. But I think Buff was great. It's very hard to, playing defense is the hardest position next to the goalie, I think. It's very hard. And he did, he was awesome. I think he was a Norris candidate too. Yeah. But he could he could if you put him up, he could probably get 30, 35 goals for you in his prime. Uh, but I don't know if there's anybody in the league right now. I mean, if you had to probably maybe do it, I think like the Selkie like guys like Bergeron, um, Taves, they could probably play every position like Sergey Fedorov as well. I um. But as of, I don't really know any any other guys that it's worth doing that to because most of these guys are drafted to a certain position and that's pretty much all they know. Yeah. So it's it's a tough one. Yeah, I I would imagine you know we mentioned Bergeron and and Taves. You know, considering they're so good at the faceoff dot, I don't, I mean I don't think they could be moved to another position. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, the faceoffs are too valuable for both teams they've right. been they've been like the the number one centers for what decades yeah a decade, decade now, a little over much. a decade maybe, but... maybe closer to two <laughs> so you know the blackhawks they've we you know we've known them for probably the last little over a decade to have a bit of a run and gun style of play obviously they haven't been able to do that for a couple of years so as they are right now what kind of style of play do you think that they should, you know, that they should probably implement? Well, this is too hard to answer for me because we don't really have a permanent GM and permanent coach yet. Sure. I think each coach has their own philosophy and styles. I well, I'm not sure what King's philosophy is. I I just think it's Win. play smart <laughs> hockey and don't make mistakes and. Uh, you know, make the simple plays. But like you said, uh, it, now the new NHL is about puck possession and run and gunning. But, I mean, if you look at, you know, the St. Louis Blues when they won, they were kind of like a grinded-out team, I thought. There, there's some, I guess you could say there's some superstars out there, but, you know, Ryan O'Reilly was a Selkie winner. He played the game two ways right. They had a lot of two-way guys, and I, it was a good playoff series against Boston because they're, they're kind of the same. They're like St. Louis of the East, I thought. <laughs> uh, but they're, that style, to me, is what wins in the playoffs. Like Tampa Bay, we know they're just so top-heavy with talent, and they have the best goalie in the world. That helps, too. But it's not going to last forever. But there, there's just—with the Hawks, I would like to see 
like a, a balance. I'd like to see like your top players have the green light to play whatever way they want. And if obviously like the third liners, you, you want them to pretty much play like a dump and chase type of style, like where you're wearing down the defense, dump the puck in, make sure you're throwing the bodies on the guy and just kind of make their life a living hell until, you know, like the top line guys get out and by the, like in the third period, that's when you take over they're worn out and you're they're going to make more mistakes and you're going to get more uh, scoring chances but like i said i once we get a coach we're going to we're going to see what kind of philosophy they're going to play and what kind of styles interesting yeah i, I think that you know probably leaning back from the uh, run and gun is probably in the best best interest of the team as of right now i think that uh, because they need to shore up things defensively. And their defense hasn't been, you know, as bad as it was at the beginning of the season. But the stronger defensive games that they have, it seems like those games they control the most. And they they end up winning a lot of those games. You know, I believe Derek King's like 14 and 10 right now, you know, and that's not bad. I yeah, think that really uh, I think that they've been they've been playing well for him. And, you know, just I, I would probably say a defensive system works good for them right now uh, because their offense isn't isn't scoring goals in in droves right now. If they have guys that are that are putting up points, you know, then I think that you can kind of lean it the other way a bit. But if guys aren't putting up a ton of points, you got to play defense. And uh, you know, the, the Predators are a good team to to kind of emulate if you really need to of not being top heavy with offensive talent, but being able to win games because you can control the game defensively. I mean, it's not pretty. But I mean, it it does win games. Yep, yep. Well, what as a fan, what do you want to see? You want to see a five to three, five to four game, correct? A lot of new fans want to see that, but there are some fans that just I, I like the one nothing, two nothing games. I'm boring. I like that type of that type of hockey. But I mean, like I always go back to torts. You want wins or do you want your star players to get like 30 to 40 goals and say like 80 to 100 points? I don't care about that. I care about wins and making the playoffs. That's me. Yeah, I know what you mean, you know, but I think that, you know, like the the players, on the other hand, they're like, hey, man, look, I'm here to score goals. I'm not here to play defense. I've never played defense. Yeah, I want to get paid. And yeah. that's not and that's not what I was really drafted for. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, it, it, like just just take into example Patrick Laine. Patrick Laine wasn't drafted to to play D. You know, he was there there to put up points, and um, yeah. I think that n- not not in in Columbus. I mean, when he was drafted in, in Winnipeg, I mean I mean that the reason that he was drafted was to put up points, and I don't think that they would be asking him to oh, play yeah. defense. They, right? they want him to score goals, and right. he's the reason. One of the reasons why Torts is not on the head coach of the Blue Jackets anymore because it's not going to work for him. Right. So, like I said, once we get our coach and our GM, they're going to have to draft a team to whatever style they're going to play. So, say say like we got like a torts-like coach, we're obviously going to be drafting guys that are two-way players, responsible on their own end, and it could be boring. But it could be like the like Calgary Flames right now. Daryl Sutter, they're they're going to make the playoffs. I think. I think the Flames are going to come, be one of the teams uh, in the Pacific to make it because of his style. Otherwise, that team would be not that great at all if they had their old their old uh, philosophy, their old style. It, it just didn't work for them. 
Right. Just like they were, I mean, a season ago before they had them, you know, yeah. they, they weren't contenders at all. No, they were terrible. They were horrible. And now look at them. I mean, they're, they're a team to be reckoned with. So let me get into this Oilers game really quick. And then, I mean, uh, this Oilers game, I wanted to talk about the Oilers. I mean, this Avs game, uh, the Blackhawks lost to the Avs 0-2. to uh, They allowed 27 shots and put up 23 shots. Uh, Taves seemed to have been playing in front of the net more yesterday than he had earlier in the season, which is something we talked about a little bit, obviously, earlier in, in this podcast about Taves, where he can start making his money like he used to in front of the net and scoring some goals in there, albeit maybe some dirty goals, but he would be scoring nonetheless, and that would really help the team, especially when we're getting performances out of Marc-Andre Fleury like we did tonight. I mean, he held the Avalanche to two goals, and a lot of people aren't doing that. The Avalanche are scoring about four to five goals a game, and uh, and that's pretty impressive. So the, the Blackhawks held the Avs to two goals, put up uh, no offense. They had a few chances, but you know they just weren't a- a- able to uh, a- able to to solve the goalie. Um, the Avs are consistently, man. I mean, it's it, when they're on, they're on, and when they've got their goalie and, and he's playing well, you know, Grubauer or even their backup is playing well, and they're scoring points, they're winning games, and they're a hard team to defeat. But if they don't have everything going, you know, it's a somewhat of a different story. So. Um, the, the problem is, is that we're not getting enough offense and it just can't be stressed enough. It can't be stressed that the Blackhawks are making either boneheaded decisions in their own, own end, like Gus did tonight when there was an open net. He passes it to the middle of the ice. There's nobody there. And uh, and the Avs get a uh, get an opportunity to shoot on an empty net. And who who blocks it? Our top, our top goal scorer, Alex Dabrinkit, blocks the shot. You know, I can't say uh, enough about the guy. You know, he's been playing great defense, playing great offense. Obviously, he's he's in it to win it. He's trying to block shots. Um, you know, we need to cut the, you know, maybe trim some of the fat off of some of the players that aren't producing and aren't uh, really contributing in a way where the Blackhawks can consistently win games. And I think Gustafsson is one of them. Yeah, he plays great on, on the power play, but... Is that really why we are, we are taking up one roster spot where we can have another player up that could be developing or or, or bringing more value? Uh, because I don't think that Gustafson should necessarily be playing, you know, say 15, 15 minutes a night on defense, uh, it, it just or just to play on, uh, on on the power play. Yeah, he's got an eight hundred k cap hit, and if we want to want him to take up a roster spot just so that he could play on the power play. You know, I guess we're not spending too much too much money on him, but I just don't see it. Um, I, I just I, I I would rather somebody else uh, be come up and play. You know, Kalina could have an opportunity to to play in that position. Um, Caleb Jones could be playing nightly. You know, in that position, I, I'd rather have one of those two than than having Gustafsson. But Hawks lost. They've lost their last three games, uh, you know, in a row. They're on a losing streak. They had a nice winning streak going. Now they're on a losing streak. Uh, it, it, it's painful because these are teams that they needed to win games against and t- to start climbing the climbing the ranks and getting some points. And they weren't able to. Uh, they got blown out by by Minnesota, obviously. But other than that one game, they kept it close with two very very good teams. And I think that's a positive to take away. Uh, 
uh, that they are trending in the in the right direction. They're not getting blown out every single game, but uh, you know that's pretty much all that it is with the Avs. Uh, there there isn't really uh, much else good to say. They kept it close and. Um, We'll have to see what, uh, what what transpires in the future. There's going to be a lot of games coming up. You know, the Hawks seem to play pretty well when you know when they have multiple games coming up. They don't have breaks. You know, it seems when they have breaks, they come back and and they're a little lackadaisical and they have some problems. But uh, there there's a lot of hockey coming up, like like we mentioned before. And you know, if they can go on a big run, you know, they can. Um, you know, maybe there's a chance, but, uh, you know, they it, it's not looking very good. So, uh, and look at the Oilers, man. You know, we can, you know, we can get into them in a second. We'll get into some NHL news. But the Oilers, for example, are were favored at the beginning of the season. I don't know why, you know, they would say that they would be cup contenders. But just because of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, look at how well that's working out. They're, they might not even make the playoffs. Do you think that the Oilers are going to make the playoffs? No, I don't think they're going to make it. I think they're whatever is going on. It's just not working out right now. We we've said this in the summer. They need a goalie. They need a starting goalie. Not a 39 year old and not a Mike uh, Koskinen, Miko Koskinen. He's just not that good of a goalie. Um, and their defense, man, they're they they don't really have depth in de- the defense. And um, I mean, look at Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier. They had great defense, and they had Grant Fuhrer in that. These yeah. guys, that's, yes, they were maybe, I, I guess you could say Messier was one of the top players back then. Gretzky was the best. So now it's like being compared like McDavid and Dreisaitl, but it's just them. There's really no other pieces that are, are going to make these guys a Stanley Cup contender. I don't know why or who said that. I mean, they're going to get their points, no doubt about it. McDavid and Dreisaitl will get like probably close to you know 85 to 100 points every season but if there's no goaltender that's stealing you games and no depth down the uh on the blue line you're, you're not a contender or secondary Sorry. scoring you know like yari curry well, exactly curry they, they had a whole bunch even marty mcsorley was scoring goals for yeah them. He they, was. they don't have anybody and i know nugent hopkins doesn't get enough credit i think he's a good player and they're really missing him right now but still, I mean, what Zach Hyman? They spent a lot of money on. He's you know he's putting up decent numbers, but they spent too much money up top for McDavid and Drysaddle, and forgot about the blue line. And it's just Darnell Nurse back there and Tyson Berry. Yeah. But those those are kind of <laughs> offensive minded guys. They're they're kind of like Seth Joneses, you know. Yeah. So they're not, and obviously they got Dunks, but Dunks is. Uh, the guy's been in like millions of battles already. He he is just he he's not the same Duncan Keith anymore. So I mean we we've seen him too. He makes a lot of mistakes and it's just uh, I don't think they're gonna make it, man. Well, I he shouldn't be in short. the game. You know, twenty five minutes plus. No, you know? that was a Colleton thing. Yes, they yeah, did not use Dunks right, and I wish Dunks would have finished his career here. I yeah. think he would be a good fourth defenseman, maybe like thirteen. 14 minutes a night, Duncan Keith, yeah. not not 30. Yeah. At, at 38, 37 years old, that's just insane. Yeah, I think what the Oilers' problem is an ownership problem, to be honest with you, because as an as an ownership, you should be looking at your your GM, you should be looking at your you know your president of hockey operations and asking them what the fuck is going on over here. We have two of the best players in the league, and we can't win games. 
Yeah, and we and can't win games. We can't win games because we don't have any any defense. We can't win games because we don't have any goalies, uh, any goaltending, and you haven't addressed this problem in um, in in the off season. So why are, are 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 any of those people employed? And I think that's the problem. I think it's maybe the loyalty, or it's the you know some kind of I don't know if they feel like they owe something to the management, you know. I'm talking about the GM and the president of hockey operations specifically yeah, Kenny because Holland. Yeah. Kenny Holland, yeah, and and that should be addressed, man. They they, they need to they need to they need a new GM search. They I mean, need a they, new GM search. It's not they, working. They ask him all the time, even in the summer, like, "Hey, is is Smith going to be our guy?" Like the media, and now the the media and the fans are like turning on Drysital and McDavid for being pissy. Right. But uh, do you blame the guys? I mean, they're they're putting up great numbers. They're like top five in scoring, and the goaltending's bad. And and they keep going after McDavid and Drysaddle like it's their fault. Well, no, no, no. They that's not their job to sign players and draft players. This is this is all on the GM. Why aren't you giving him these questions? Ask McDavid hockey related questions like what happened during the shift types of questions right. not like wh- how come you guys w- what's up with the goaltending why are you guys so pissy are you serious right now you're gonna run the two best players in the game out of this town and, and you're gonna you're gonna rebuild all over again you're you're insane imagine imagine Connor mcdavid leaving and signing a team-friendly deal of eight million dollars a year to try and win a cup I think he's going to be traded eventually, man. I give it five years. He's going to get so sick of this stuff, and somebody is going to pay everything to get this guy, and he's going to turn their franchise around. Well, we'll see. You know, that's a conversation for another time. Could happen, man. So, Keith Yandel is going to play in his 964th game, consecutive game, which is incredible. You know, I... um, it, it's really hard to imagine a guy being able to play night in and night out, season after season after season, you know, and, you know, I, I tip my hat and all oh, of yeah. my credit to him. I think after this game, he's got one more, then he breaks the record. Uh, so uh, I hope so, he gets to a thousand, man. Yeah. That would be incredible. Yeah. I hope he doesn't get hurt or anything like that. Cause uh, imagine a guy going his whole career without missing a game. It, well, do you remember Tony Amani had a good Iron Man streak? I believe I it's eight hundred and some games. Yeah, that's incredible too. The way he played, he was fast. It's, yeah. it's amazing how he, he. I think he said his his body was made of marshmallows or something. Is that what he said? I, I think he said something like that. Yeah, and it's funny because some guys like Havlat are made of like glass. glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He was his durability was was incredible. So. In place of a break, the NHL is going to play 95 games between February 7th and the 22nd, which is incredible. The regular season end date remains the same, same April 29th. So, um, so yeah, no break for, for, for any of the guys. It's, it's going to be 95 games played. It's going to be incredible. There's going to be a lot of games on TV. You know, That's I was much. I was yeah. saying on ESPN Plus, they were having 10 games on a night at some times. Who knows? They might have 20 games on a night. That's a lot, man. <laughs> if I'm one of the uh, if I'm one of the players, you know, I'm skating warm ups. I'm going to the other. I'm going to the red line. And say, hey, hey, boys, 
can we keep it easy tonight? Maybe let's uh, go 50% tonight because we, we got three more games in the next three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll probably have like 16 games on. And they uh, got rid of the taxi squad. So I, I thought that was kind of stupid. Yeah. Especially with all these games being played. You, you might want to have an extra you know, couple guys on standby. Right. Yeah, that was something I thought that they would keep till the end of the season, but apparently not. Yeah. So Bruce Boudreau has coached his 1,000th game as of Sunday night. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because obviously he's found a lot of success. So what type of coach do you think the Blackhawks should try to consider? Give me two two options. You know, like a young coach, a older coach. You know, what kind of coach? What kind of system are we looking for? You know, just, just really quickly. I think an AHL experienced coach, like a, a with a good record, like he kind of he knows what's going on, or somebody who has coached in the NHL and didn't really get that much of a chance. Maybe like an assistant coach on a successful team. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that a lot in football. Right. I think the NHL should maybe consider that. I don't like the first time coaches that have zero experience that yeah. doesn't work. Uh, I agree with you, what you've said before. It's kind of annoying to see these guys kind of on the merry-go-round. Just, I didn't work out here for me. Oh, it worked out five, five years. Now I'm going to go try doing it here. And, you know, I, I am a fan of torts, but I would like to see maybe a guy, like an assistant coach on a successful team, get a chance. Yeah, I agree. I like the idea of getting a guy from the NA, from the AHL who's had success down there. And, you know, it's time to make the jump, you know, yeah. and... um yeah, but the guys with no experience, man, it, it just, it's hard to get the the respect from the guys in the locker room if, you know, you're, if you're just a few years older than they are, you know? Yeah. You, you, well, and it, it's huge with the GM. I, I would say that the president, the GM, and the coach all need to be on the same page with the same playbook. You can't have... Someone arguing at the top, hey, this ain't working. You guys got to get like a vision and hopefully it works out. Stick to it. That's why I think Eddie O would be a great president because I think he would hire the right people. And I I like him. I think he would be really good at it. Uh, I hope hope they find a coach that wants to play both sides of the ice. It's Mm -hmm. important both sides. Not just we're going to go top heavy on offense and try to outscore the guy every night. No, we need to learn how to win every way we can. Right. You know, really interesting, you know, as the Canucks, they have three goalies in COVID protocol and had to bring up an emergency goalie. And um, it's, 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 I'm wondering if because of, you know, COVID protocol and, you know, guys are having other guys sent up. Do you think this is a good time for other other players to get noticed? Yeah, I think it's an actual, it's other leagues to get noticed. I know a couple goalies um, in the ECHL have been called up, the, the West Coast Hockey League, stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. guys that are trying to make it, maybe made it and kind of didn't work out. Right, getting getting another chance. Maybe a college goalie's getting a call. I, I think that's really cool, and and it will it will help. You know, it will help with um, growing the leagues. I think, especially if you're looking in the ECHL, there's some pretty good players down there. I I, I follow the Toledo Walleye. I, I I just love the logo, and I I've been kind of following the team. They got some good players on that team too. It's exciting hockey. Wow. 
So Huberto is tied for most points in the NHL. You feel that he's not getting enough respect, and I will agree with you. He does not get talked about enough. He does not get talked about as as much as, you know, say, Nathan McKinnon, and Nathan McKinnon's not putting up near as many points as he is right now. What do you think it is? I, well, it's Florida, and there's obviously a Stanley Cup winning team in Florida that will get most of the media there. I actually think Huberto and Barkov do not get enough respect from the media, fans, and, you know, the hockey world. People just, uh, you know, Florida's not like a, what do you, like a sexy place for hockey. They're, if you're not playing in Toronto, Canada, you know, even the Rangers, I think the Rangers get, like, their players get blown up a little bit when they're, you know, they're not that great. Sure. Sorry to the boys on the uh, 30 on Broadway. But sorry, there's really one good player on that team, and it's Panarin. He stands right out. He's he's an elite player. Sure, Adam Fox is a Norris-like guy, but Huberdeau, if he was on the Rangers, he would he'd be getting all the spotlight like uh, Adam Fox would, and you know Connor McDavid in Canada, Austin Matthews, those type of guys. But you know you don't hear anything about him. You have to let, you look at the stats, and you're like, oh my God, Huberdeau is at the top of the freaking league in points. And that's that's how you find out about it. There's no stories about it or, or anything. Yeah, and he's on one of the best teams as well. Yeah, the Stanley Cup could stay in Florida, but it could go to the Panthers. That's how good they're playing. Yeah. So, everybody, that's all that we've got for you tonight. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for, for listening and and, uh, and and staying with us. We really appreciate it. We've got another podcast coming out on Thursday. It's actually an interview. Uh, it's 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 going to be awesome. It's with Jason Ross Jr. Um, it was a lot of fun to do it. He's an up and up and comer. And uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we would like to le- thank the FHN. That's our hockey network. The FHN.net. Check them out for articles and hockey news. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. This is the Tomahawk, and we're out of here.